Welcome to Archibiz Unpacks, a podcast for architecture firm owners and leaders who are looking to grow their impact, lead a profitable business, and learn a thing or two in the process. Hi, I'm Beck Kempster, CEO of Archibiz and your host of Archibiz Unpacks. In case you haven't heard of Archibiz, we provide architects like you with practical business advice and education through online courses and programs, workshops and business coaching and mentoring. Each episode, we sit down with an expert in the architecture industry to bring you simple, actionable insights and strategies to help you lead your practice. Now, let's dig into today's episode. Off, welcome Alicia Brown, self-confessed marketing and comms nerd and founder of New Doors. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So today we're talking about marketing strategy and we'll kick it off with the all-important question. Um, It's one of those terms that that gets bandied around and, and it can be hard to sometimes understand what it means so let means so let's go right back to the basics and if you can provide us with your definition of what is a marketing strategy it's basically just a process of figuring out how to deploy your available marketing uh, resources and budget for maximum impact um, you know that's basically what a strategy is in any context how can you pull together whatever you have to achieve whatever your goal is Great. Um, and why does an architectural practice need a marketing strategy? Well, um, there's, <laughs> there can be lots of reasons and it really, um, the, the reasons can change depending on the practice. But, um, you know, I have a lot of clients say things to me like, oh, you know, we've been trying to build up our Instagram profile or we've been getting a bit of press coverage or we've tried Google ads, but we're not quite sure what impact all of this is having. Um, so, you know, what you want to avoid is a situation where you're putting into effort into something and you're not sure what you're getting back for that effort. So if you step back and um, look at something strategically first um, and decide what you're actually going to do and why and how you're going to measure it, um, that's a much better way to approach things. And, I mean, some of the other things I hear are um, I feel anxious because I know I should be promoting my practice, um, but, you know, I just don't seem to be able to get around to it. Um, or, um, you know, why does the practice up the road wing everything? <laughs> We're just as good. You know? so these can be some of the reasons um, why. But um, bigger picture, if you're a practice that's doing commercial work, there's a hell of a lot of commercial work out there. Why not get organised and make sure that you're generating leads and raising your profile and getting your fair share of that work? And on the dom- domestic architecture front, um, architects only get about 5% of um, domestic um, building work. Um, and there's huge scope to increase that. I think um, if we speak more about the benefits of working um, with an architect, then we can really expand that market. Okay, and so you mentioned that and really interesting stat there, 5%. Where, uh, you know, architects are only getting residential work, where's the rest of that residential work going and what's the opportunity there? Volume builders, building designers, uh, build design companies. Um, They're often, um, I think there's a perception that architects are too expensive and that's just not the case. Um, so I think, you know, if you're a domestic architect and you know what geographic area you're um, trying to win work in, you can really be proactive about communicating to that audience and really demystifying what it is that you do. So I think that's really a key opportunity. 
Yeah, absolutely. And how does one go about creating a marketing strategy? We often find that, you know, you fall into marketing activities like Instagram, which you mentioned earlier, and everything's a bit ad hoc. How do you get to that strategic point of going, okay, this is what we want to do and this is why we want to do it? I think there's some parallels to um, an architectural project, to be honest. You need to um, have some idea of what the budget is. And that's a bit iterative. As you go along the process, you might see opportunities and the budget, you know, might stretch. But you need to sort of understand a ballpark. Um, You know, if you're working with a commercial client, you you need to understand their business. Um, Just like if you're coming up with a marketing plan, you need to understand your own business and where it's headed, um, who its target audiences are. Um, You know, you need to have a a clear idea of what your client's vision is for the project. Um, Same with the marketing strategy. You need to know what the vision is for the business and how the marketing strategy can actually support that. Um, And, you know, uh, you need to have a a clear picture of the the site context, Um, just as you need to have a clear understanding of the market context in developing a marketing strategy. Yeah, great. um, I would say... Go on. I was just going to say um, a good marketing strategy synthesizes four key areas. So um, where is your practice heading? Um, you know, what are your business objectives? Who are you aiming to influence? Uh, who are your target audiences? Um, how do you want your practice to be perceived? What's your brand identity? And what marketing systems, um, budget and resources do you have available? Yeah, great. So we've got four key elements there. So where are you heading in your business objectives? Who's your target audience? What's the perception that you want to portray? And what are your systems in that you've got in place for marketing? And, and in that last one, you mentioned budget and you touched on that earlier. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with a marketing budget? Is that a percentage of revenue or what? Do you, what how do you go, this is how much money I've got to allocate to my marketing budget, particularly as I'm sure you're all thinking about a marketing budget um, as you're preparing your budgets for the coming financial year? Yeah. Do you know what? It's really hard to do um, if you don't have any marketing expertise to just pull a number out of the air. And I don't really believe in um, percentages um, of revenue or anything like that as a, as a you know, way of figuring it out. Um, it's really about what you can afford. Um, so, you know, I have clients that spend, um, you know, $1,500 a month on their marketing up to clients that spend five grand a month on their marketing. Um, so I'm sorry I can't give you a here's the um, formula for working that out <laughs> approach. Um, but, you know, it, it also can depend on how many target audiences, I guess, you're trying to um, communicate to. So if you're a small practice that's doing domestic architecture only, then your target audience is going to be really defined. It's going to be probably a geographic area and, a you know, um, people of that age and income. Um, whereas if you're a commercial, probably doing a bunch of things like um, schoolwork, um, you know, maybe some um, multi-residential work and, and as well as some domestic work. So then you've got three different audiences you're trying to communicate to and um, allocating your budget across them um, will be trickier if you've got a small budget. So, yeah, um, I hope that <laughs> sort of goes some way to helping um, you think about that sort of stuff. So you mentioned these four areas for how to get started with your marketing strategy. Can you um, take us through understanding where your practice is heading? 
Well, um, you, marketing is a, a tool for the business. I think a lot of people think of marketing as this dark that kind of exists somewhere over there and then the business happens here and, and you just plug in. But marketing should serve your business. Uh, marketing should be a tool for helping your business get wherever you want to take it. Um, and, you know, people that have done your DAPS course would have um, done a bit of work around thinking about their business vision, um, you know, and thinking about um, how big do they actually want their practice to be? How many employees do you want to have? Um, which geographic locations are you going to work in? Um, do you simply want to be winning better projects um, or different type of projects in, in a new sector? Uh, do you have an individual in your business who you want to raise as a sort of key person of influence um, or a speaker in different areas? Um, or do you simply need to do some succession planning and to raise the profile of other people in your business so that the business owner is not always um, the one who has to be the face? So there's, there can be um, lots of different things that are happening in your business and understanding your long-term um, and even short and medium-term strategies is really important um, in terms of being able to craft the marketing so that it supports what you're trying to do. Okay. Um, let's move on to the second area then. Who are you aiming to influence? How do we address that? Well, again, um, that comes back to understanding who your target audience is. And this is something that um, can be really tricky, I think, for architects to get their head around. There's a lot of... Um, uh, excitement around peer recognition in architecture and so you know um, getting coverage in design publications um, makes you feel really good but when you think about it is that where your target audience is is that what they're reading um, and often the answer is no um, so you know um, let's just take some examples again if we're talking about domestic architecture some people might be reading Houses magazine, but they might not have a Houses magazine um, and you, you might be able to offer them something that they're not aware of. So other channels like social media might be a far better way of communicating with that audience. Um, another example might be um, you might be an early learning centre um, specialist. So how, do you, how are you um, actually communicating to ELC operators and developers who are building these facilities? How are you reaching those audiences? So um, actually defining who your audience is, understanding who they are, they are and what channels they engage with, and then developing content that you can put out via those channels that will actually reach them is the process of working on your target audience. And to be honest, that can be a really tricky thing um, for even some marketers to do if they're not um, trained to be strategic. Um, there's a lot of people that do marketing out there that are more writers or they build websites or, um, you know, they do social media. But the strategy, you actually step back and try and understand those audiences and do the desktop research to understand what channels they engage with is a, quite a particular skill. So I would recommend getting some help with that side of things. Great. I think that's also a really good lead into a question that we've got here. Should we focus on one channel or spread our marketing activity? Well, that again comes back to your business objectives. And this is where, you know, spending time on a strategy is a really um, good exercise because you, you're not going to be doing everything at once. I mean, you might have um, aspirations to be across a number of sectors and at the moment you're only across one. 
but um, coming up with a logical way to build into new sectors over a period of time and then prioritising your marketing activities is something that you would also consider in the marketing strategy. Yeah, great. Okay. Uh, so we've been through the first two areas and that is understanding where your practice is heading in relation to your marketing strategy and then um, who you're aiming to influence. Let's look at that third key area that you mentioned, which is how do you want your practice to be, to be perceived? How does that relate, tie into your marketing strategy? Well, um, this is all about um, cutting through, I guess, um, with your communication and um you know, resonating with the people that you're wanting to do business with. So some of the things you would consider um, when thinking about this is your philosophy and approach um, as a business. What's the at the heart of why you get up each day and go and do architecture? You know, what's the why, the purpose behind the business? Um, what's your practice culture? How do you interact with your clients? Um, uh, what's your tone of voice? You know, are you a, a very... Um, corporate sounding business or are you um, more open and approachable um, really defining that personality is a really good um, exercise um, in order to make sure your communications are consistent um, what's your competitive environment you know who are you actually up against um, and what's the extent of their marketing materials um, so how do you actually position against the competition um, and what are your target audience's needs and interests? Um, and, you know, is the way you're presenting yourself in alignment with that? So, um, yeah, there's a few things to consider there. And I find that practices have done work in maybe one or two of those areas, um, but not all. And, look, it's it's all usually there. It's not usually articulated. Once it's articulated, then you've got like a set of guidelines and rules so that each time you create a piece of content, you know how to make it sound like it comes from your practice and not, you know, some random generic practice up the road. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, and then the fourth area uh, is what marketing systems, resources and budget do you have? How do, does a practice go about addressing this when in relation to the strategy? Yeah, so I think... Once you've worked through those first three steps, you've understood, you know, where you want to take the business, who your target audiences are, what channels they're communicating through. You can start to see, well, these are some of the activities that I could be doing. What are those activities going to actually cost? Um, you know, can I write some of this content myself? Am I experienced enough to do that or do I need to get somebody in? Um, you know, posting um, stuff on social media channels is free but is it worth actually paying to sponsor some of that content to get more eyes on it um, and what will that cost? So you can see you can start to build the budget once you've started to break down some of the things that you might actually be doing. Um, and systems are really important too and um, I find that uh, most practices are, are really behind the eight ball on this stuff. So that can include things like um, your contacts database, do you have one? Is it or is it just sheet somewhere? Um, having a, a contacts contacts database in a piece of modern software that can link to something like your website or even social media um, can be really really powerful. It can automate things like um, newsletters to your existing contacts database and things like that. And there's other systems like um, setting up the back end of Facebook or LinkedIn for doing um, Facebook and LinkedIn marketing. 
things like on your website, um, having a LinkedIn Insights tag or a Facebook pixel, um, which helps you to track what um, traffic is coming from your ads or organic traffic onto your website. So, yeah, again, this is an area where getting some expert help can be really helpful to get all all of these things set up so that it's all working in unison and it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you so that each time you do create content, you're getting the maximum benefit of it. Um, And then um, looking at resources, um, again, that comes back to who's actually going to get this stuff done and how we're going to make sure that it's regular and consistent. Yeah, great. And on the systems piece, just talking about software there, uh, for smaller practices who are just getting started on this marketing journey, what sort of software do you suggest they use as a contacts database or a um, way of communicating with their with their contacts? Well, um, there's some really um, great uh, software out there that's free um, called Zoho. Um, you can get like a free subscription to something like that. Um, but there's some great paid options as well, um, things like um, Tiny Plus. So that's actually, a, a, it's not just a contacts database, it's also a client relationship management um, software. Um, so that actually helps you to track um, leads and opportunities um, through the pipeline. Um, and that's been developed in Sydney by a guy called Nick Smith, um, specifically for the architecture industry. So that's a really good one. Um, But then there's others like um, I use HubSpot in my business, um, which is a a full CRM software, and then you can get um, marketing integrations as well so that you can easily launch um, e-newsletter campaigns and and track stats from your social media and things like that as well. Yeah, great. And I think HubSpot have some some free um, levels of access as well that are pretty good too before you start building on and uh, HubSpot can get costly down the track, but yeah, it, it is a good low uh, entry point, that's for sure. Yeah, you um, think about other things too, like you might want to start with a MailChimp account because communicating to your contacts database is something that's totally underutilised in architecture practices. A, I find that um, practices often don't capture who their contacts are. If you start to think about all the builders and subconsultants and clients that you've worked with over the years and how many of them they would be and the networks in between all of them, um, you know, that's a huge platform for promoting your business, um, you know, and, and really you should be doing some kind of um, e-newsletter, letting people know what's happening in your practice on a regular basis. And ideally that would be targeted. So your contacts database would um, have some categories in it for, um, you know, uh, uh, keeping track of the different project types that you might be working on. So to be architecture or schools or whatever it is so that you can send out more targeted things to the right um, contacts. Yeah, great. And, and finally, once we've built this marketing strategy, what do we do with it, Alicia? <laughs> well, this next bit is so important because um, I'm sure you guys have worked on um, lots of feasibilities and master plans for projects that have just sat on a shelf. You actually have to implement the thing if you're going to get any value out of it. So the way um, I think um, is most effective for doing that is to actually um, map out what content you're going to create over what period of time. So typically if we do that for a client, we probably um, work with um, at a minimum a six-month um, time frame and we would map out um, 
all the articles, all the ads, um, you know, all the project descriptions, all the photography, all the bits and pieces that need to happen over that time period in order to achieve all the content um, that you've signed up for so that, um, you know, you can tick things off the list, you can see your progress. I think if you just do the strategy and then sort of aim to wing it, I'll just refer to that and do a bit here and there, um, again, you're going to fall into that trap where it's not consistent, um, it's not regular, things kind of come in lumps and then you fall off the radar for a period of time and, um, I think it's really important to have the plan and to figure out what resources you need to actually make it happen. And it might mean that you start really small. You might do one piece of content and one um, one article and one piece of social media a month and see how that goes. Measure the engagement stats um, and see what you're getting out of that. You know, is it generating leads for you? If so, is it we're spending a bit more on, on that? Um, so, you, you know, you can sort of prototype and test in this modern digital marketing environment to a large degree. And I should say, I should qualify that by saying that not everything needs to be digital marketing. Um, you know, depending on what market segments you're um, aiming to work with, there's, you know, obviously lots of other channels for communicating with them that are a bit more real world, like um, conferences and events and um, sometimes industry associations have really good channels as well. Um, like, um, and it's really underutilised by architects a lot of the time. You know, you could, for instance, look at it an early um, learning centre or early learning association and um, they would have member communications that you could buy space in, usually relatively affordably, <laughs> um, you know, and you can put your articles out through channels like that as well. So these are some of the things that um, I guess a um, professional marketing agency can help you think through. Yeah, great. And do you need a professional marketing agency once you've got the marketing strategy and you're doing the content implement implementation? I've often found in the past that, um, you know, whoever creates this has grand plans of, you know, I'm going to write three articles a month. If they don't have those, if they can't afford those resources externally, what are other ways to de deliver on that? You have to find the resources internally. Um, <laughs> there's no other way around it. Um, you know, somebody has to do the work. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing. It's really difficult to be a marketer when you're not trained to be a marketer. It's like... Um, just like one of your clients deciding that they're going to design their own house you know they're not qualified in that <laughs> um so obviously um I would be an advocate for getting um some outside help even if it's just to set up the strategy and to have help somebody help you think through um how to pull together the resources you do have available in your business yeah. And a couple of tips for finding a marketing agency. Do they need to be experts in architecture marketing? Do they need to have experience in that? What, who, who should people look for when they're trying to find an agency to work with or, or a specialist to work with? Definitely look for people that understand the built environment. <laughs> um, I have a lot of clients that have fallen into traps, um, for instance, with digital marketing agencies or PR agencies. So, um, you know, digital marketing agencies are volume businesses. Um, it's all about getting as many clients on the books as possible and pumping out um, ads for them. 
And, um, you know, if they don't understand your industry, they could be spending your money creating content that's are you not really, there's often no strategy behind this. They just want to create the content and start charging you for it. So, um, you know, you could be actually sending out stuff that's alienating your target audience or not actually reaching them and you're paying all this money for it. Um, same with PR agencies. Um, a lot of them don't have a strategic function at all. Their only concern is to get you coverage. So, you know, you might be paying big money for people, somebody to get you coverage in design publications, for example. But again, are they reaching your um, end audience? So I really recommend um, working with somebody who's got some experience in the built environment. Yeah, great advice. Uh, so we've got a couple of questions, which I'll, I'll, I'll get into. If 5% of the domestic market is residential using an architect, how do we know what our competitors are charging so that we can communicate this with our potential clients? Is there any study or research paper or evidence that we can use to support this? Um, not necessarily, but I think you can look at it another way. You can be transparent about what your projects cost. Um, so the way I've done that with some of my clients is to um, share information about um, cost per square metre on projects. Um, you know, just get out there and tell them what your work is. Um, and I think it's a kind of a law of attraction thing. Um, people might assume that it's out of their realms. Um, but I also think there's a there's other judgments around value that people will make. So if you're communicating about your projects, you're showing the great design design outcomes that you're achieving for people and you're transparent about, you know, the ballpark of what it costs, you know, they may change their thinking to think, you know, what it might be worth investing in an architect um, to get these kinds of um, outcomes. And I guess something, some research you can point to, which is really handy, that's been done recently. Uh, I'm not going to remember the um, acronym, what the acronym stands for, RASP. <sighs> anyway, it's architect, It's uh, research out of the University of Melbourne, and I'll provide a link after this, that looked at the, um, the long-term value in investing in an architect um, to design your home. And it um, has some very um, strong statistics around um, increased values um, and um, increased uh, long-term investment, I guess. So that a property is worth more in the long term if it's designed by an architect than if it isn't. So um, I've explained that very badly, but um, I'll, I'll put a link to that research and that's well worth um, quoting on your website as well. Yeah, that was a great piece of research that came mm. out. Um, uh, any suggestions on overcoming newsletter or marketing fatigue in one's inbox? Great question. Oh, that is a really good question. The way to overcome that is to make sure that what you send people is of absolute relevance to them. So if you only send something once a year, but boy, it was interesting and useful, then that is fine. <laughs> um I think this is where, again, where a marketing strategy and plan can be really useful because kind of put your energy into thinking about what we create that will be really useful to these audiences and how often are we going to create a piece of content. Um, and then, you know, only send it out when you've got something that's really useful. Don't be sending blanket newsletters. You could a bit. depends, again, on the audiences. So 
um, if you're communicating, um, say, to your sub-consultant network, you might want to give them a general update once in a while on the range of projects that you've been working on. Um, you know, and not just sub-consultants, project managers would probably fit into that. Even the clients sometimes, especially if you're looking in a commercial context, um, giving people a general update on what sort of work your practice has been doing can be really eye-opening for people. Oh, I didn't realise you did work in that sector or that sector. Just don't do stuff like that too often. You don't want that to be coming into their inbox, you know, every week or every month. Um, yeah, great. You just need to put yourself in the person. I like to get this or not. <laughs> Okay, excellent. Um, another question here. What are the biggest mistakes um, architects make with their websites? I think um, with commercial architecture, the mistake can be um, that they don't think about it from the visitor's perspective. Um, and is it easy for the person who jumps on your website and wants to know about multi-residential to find your multi-residential work? Um, and um, insights and expertise. Um, you know, other than that, I don't think there's a lot of mistakes that people make. Um, highly visual websites are obviously the go. Um, I guess there can be mistakes in the sense of um, your brand identity and not really putting enough effort into developing one. Um, so that sometimes text on websites can seem really generic and, and doesn't really connect very well with your audience. Um, you, so, sorry, Alicia, can I just jump in there? Can you explain brand identity? And, and you know, I think like marketing strategy, it's another com speak um, word yeah, that we heard thrown around a lot. Yeah, fair call. So brand identity or brand personality is another way of thinking about it. Like what is the feeling or the experience of your brand um, for people who interact with it? Um, you know, do they, um, when they look at your brand, do they get a sense for a very exclusive high-end design service or do they get a feeling for an accessible, um, approachable design service? Um, and, you know, different things are um, relevant to different audiences. Um you know, and there might be more going on there. You might um, really emphasise sustainability or you might really emphasise multi-generational living. There could be so many different ways um, you could present your expertise. And, again, this comes back to a strategic decision about who your audience is and what's going to resonate with them. So there's no paint-by-numbers right way to do it. It's about crafting what's right for your business. Yeah, excellent. Um, when we go through this marketing strategy process, how important is it to involve the wider team in the practice? Um, I think it's important to involve um, staff if they might be involved in implementing it. So I do have clients um, that use their, um, you know, their broader staff to help keep content coming through their social media channels, for instance. So you want to make sure that anybody who has a role like that is across what the strategy is and has, you know, some language to talk about your brand personality and positioning so that um, what they're developing in terms of content is on point. Um, you also might want to involve a business coach um, or you might want to involve uh, a web designer or graphic designer you work with. 
Um, anybody like that who's sort of already helped you done, do some work around what your strategy is or what your um, brand personality or identity is. And Alicia, how important is, um, you know, do you think it's a priority to capture case studies in that case while people are going through that good feeling after, you know, um, moving into their new home if it's a residential? Um, Definitely. I think um, when we talk about content, it's important to tell stories. I think there can be very cold project descriptions given in um, architecture uh, on architecture websites, for instance. You know, it's a, it can be a very almost academic or technical description of the building um, in more archi-speak language. What you want to be doing is tell the story of how you solved that client's problem and how you uh, guided them through what is a really complex project of designing and building your own home. Um, so, yeah, tell stories um, and get their, their comments. Use their, um, their comments on what the process was like as a tool as well. Yeah, excellent. Uh, how do you feel about collecting information from clients, say, via a survey? Oh, I think that can be a really good thing to do. Um, what could be an even better thing to do is to get somebody who's not the main person who's been dealing with them on a day-to-day basis for two or three years while their project happened, but somebody else to call them up and say that they're calling on behalf of your practice and would like to talk to them about the experience they had of working with you. And, um, you know, you can just run through a few dimensions, you know, what was um, the service like, you know, um, how do you feel about the new home? Um, just a few, maybe two or three questions that you would ask them because people are, it's awkward to ask them yourself, um, but when you send a representative of your practice to ask those questions and people will really open up and you often get some really good material out of conversations like that. So I think that might be a slightly more effective um, way of going about it. Yeah, often a good way to uh, get feedback on your your process as well and and come at it from that operational perspective um, of looking for improvements too. It's such a hard thing to do to ask for feedback, but it's where the most growth comes from. Absolutely. And the most joy because I think when you um, work for yourself, you you don't always get the feedback. You know, you did great. (laughs) Sometimes you've got to ask for it. Um, So it can be really good for your ego as well as anything else. (laughs) We all need that. Uh, Another question here. uh, Any advice on networking within our business demographic? Very broad question, I know. Well, um, I think, again, I'm emphasising a lot on small practices because I'm making a bit of an assumption that it's probably mainly small practices in this audience. But I think that that local networks are really underutilised. Like think about relationships with local accountants, local financial advisors, local real estate agents. Um, Get to know those people. um, Their marketing communications, you can provide content that goes out to their members um, and viewers. Um, and see whether you can create reciprocal relationships where you're able to send clients to them and vice versa. I think that's really underutilised by small practices. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Alicia, so much for joining us. If people have further questions or would like to learn more about what you do at New Doors, how can they go about reaching you? Well, um, check out our website at newdoors.com.au. 
um, you can send us an inquiry by the contact form and I promise we'll get back to you straight away. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, share this episode with a friend, give us a five-star review or even leave a comment. You can follow us on Instagram at HQ and find us on LinkedIn and Facebook also. Oh, and if you want more of Archibiz, make sure you download our free eight-step roadmap for finding more and better clients. You can find the link for that in the show notes. See you next time.